Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a special 4th of July episode of the Big Texas Podcast. My name is Mateo Lucina, your patriotic host, and we have a bit of a surprise for you today. Normally, you're used to only one guest here on the BTP, but today we are graced with two. Today, we'll be hearing from Graham Allen and Tim Stroud answering a couple questions for us on the nature of patriotism. Uh, to start our billing, guests of the state first, we will be going with Graham Allen. Uh, Mr. Allen is an accomplished entrepreneur, author, media personality, and combat veteran. He served in the United States Army for over 12 years, including two tours during Operation Iraqi Freedom and completed his service as an Army Staff Sergeant. Graham started his family and found his permanent home in South Carolina after finishing his military service while stationed in Anderson. Through his rural upbringing service, Graham developed a profound appreciation for America and an unwavering belief in our founding principles. After leaving active duty, Graham launched social media-based radio and television programs to advocate for our conservative principles and common sense. He is a contributor to Turning Point USA, the Dallas branch, the author of America 316, and the host of Dear America podcast, one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the country. Graham and his wife, Elisa, are the proud parents of three children. Together, they founded the Dear America Foundation, a charity whose mission is to serve those that serve by providing financial support to the families of veterans, law enforcement officers, and first responders undergoing hardship. Uh, thank you so much, Mr. Allen, for your time. Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, super happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, well, thank you. To ha- thank you for having uh, Mr. Allen. Uh, let's just get right into it. Why did you enlist? I, well, you know, I came from a really, 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 really small town. And so where I come from, you're either super, super smart or you join the military or you become a mechanic and you stay in that town for forever. Um, And my girlfriend at the time's brother happened to be a recruiter. And um, I don't know, you know, I was in high school during 9-11 when 9-11 happened and like many people in the country, I wanted to, I wanted to serve the country. You know, we were at war at the time and I wanted out of my small town. And so it kind of all just made sense to, uh, join the, join the army and, uh, yeah, leave my small town behind. And I want to say it was six months later I was in Iraq at that point. So, you know, that's pretty much the whole story. Actually, the biggest story, it's kind of funny How I ended up at the recruiting station was uh, one of my oldest friends, Justin, wanted to enlist. And I was still kind of on the fence about it. And uh, he didn't want to go by himself. So he promised to buy me Sonic uh, afterwards if I would ride with him to the recruiter's office. And so next thing I know, I'm at MEPS and I'm enlisting into the Army. So it's kind of weird. What was your biggest takeaway from military service? that I had no clue what it actually cost to be free in America. Um, I, I believe that everybody that is physically able to, I think everybody should at least have to experience what our military men and women experience uh, for a day. Uh, I wish there were ride-alongs for the, uh, the military. You know, law enforcement does ride-alongs where you can see what our, our men and women in blue have to go through every single day. I wish there was a way to do that for the military. I really do. Because um, the biggest thing that I learned, especially seeing the biggest problem that most people have is most people in America visit other countries and they visit the touristic part of those countries, right? Like the super nice parts and everything. They don't visit the bad parts and they don't visit what, you know, honestly, the real 
parts of those countries. And we do it here in our states too. Like we've got our tourist parts of the state and then we've got the real parts of the state, right? Mm -hmm. And so going to Iraq, seeing all those areas, seeing what an actual, um, you know, dictatorship led uh, society is like, it, it really makes you love this country more because even on our worst day, America is the greatest country in the world. I understand what you're getting at, but I'm, I'm just laughing at the notion of being like, okay, guys, you're going to sign this waiver and we're going to put you in a Humvee in Iraq for a day. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, hey, maybe maybe that's what we need to do. Uh, yeah. the hey, uh, there are there are uh, police departments that literally will not let you go through the remainder of the application process until after you've completed 48 hours of ride-alongs. And they put you in the day shifts, they put you in the night shifts, they put you in the easy parts of the city, they put you in the dangerous parts of the city. I mean, they want you to see what it's actually like before you continue on with the application process. Maybe we do need to do that with the military to let everybody know, hey, uh, all of these freedoms that we enjoy, that we take for granted, none of that stuff comes free. And even on, uh, especially on combat MOSs and things like those guys are out there in the woods, you know, uh, ruck marching and training every single day just on the what if something happens. And, you know, people, people need to see those things. Uh, how do you think your military experience will translate to what it takes to be an elected official at the uh, congressional level? Well, you know, I've actually had this conversation with a lot of current elected officials that were in the military. Uh, the, the, the biggest thing that I, you know, the, the common answer would be, you know, discipline, uh, de, you know, determination, uh, service to, you know, selfless service and all that other kind of stuff. I think that the real answer is the biggest thing that the military teaches you is that everything doesn't always go the way that you think it's going to go. And the military teaches you that just because something doesn't happen the way that you want it to happen, the mission still has to get done and you still have to go do it. Um, I actually think that the things that I learned the most in the military is to listen to everybody and not just the people that you liked and not just the people that you agreed with. You know, uh, if you if you think that every person in the military liked each other, you have another thing coming because that is not true at all. Uh, I've seen many people in the military uh, take it out back because they had differences of opinion and they worked it out. But at the end of the day, we all wore the same uniform. And when the fight took place, we were all on one team. And so that I think is what, you know, the best thing that the military taught somebody like me is that if I'm lucky enough or if I'm honored enough to be elected to be a representative, I don't even like to say congressman, a representative for the people of District 7 in South Carolina, uh, all of the people that hated me, that didn't want me in and all that stuff up to that point, I now serve them. Uh, at the same time as those that did vote for me. And I'm very used to having to do that, having to come together with people that necessarily might not be your best friends to accomplish the main goal. And the main goal is very simple, to give the power back to the people, for the people to have their actual voice being represented in D.C. That is the point. 
I, I love that answer because, you know, I, I know a lot of veteran congressmen and they're all and it's, it, it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's always like honor, glory, duty. And it's like fighting and legislating are two very different animals. I, I kind of care more about your ability to read a bill than lead a platoon. But uh, post post military, uh, how are you continuing to serve? Well, I mean, you know, one thing, uh, we, we fight for conservative values on an everyday basis. Uh, outside of running for Congress, now we've had one of the, you know, top 25 conservative voices in the nation the past four years. Uh, we serve in a matter of we have charity organization that is dedicated to veterans, first responders and their families. Uh, we fight for uh, the unborn. We have helped uh, uh, activate and mobilize many, many situations fighting for uh, the, the most pure and the most innocent and the weakest among us, which is our unborn children. Uh, we have fought for free and fair elections. Uh, th there's not a lot that we're not involved in. Uh, the only thing that we're not involved in is elected office at this point, And we're working on that. Now, presuming the military ride along program won't at least be active until 2025. Uh, how can people who didn't serve in the military develop love of country? You think that's a very difficult question to answer with, with everything that's going on today all of the ways that our, our younger generations, because that's the future, right? People like me, and I'm not an old guy, I'm 34, but the truth of the matter is, uh, we're not even talking about me anymore. Uh, we're talking about the next generation, our, our kids and then their kids. And the way that they consume information is controlled by elitists in Silicon Valley that believe that they have more authority than the First Amendment. And that they have more power than the United States government and that, and that they have more power than the individual states. So I believe that the way that you have to do it is you have to do it at home. Uh, you know, our children, our children are influenced by smartphones because we allow them to have them. Our children are influenced by TV because we allow them to watch it. Our children are influenced by music because we allow them to listen to it. Our children are influenced by other children that they don't need to be hanging out with because we allow them to do so. Parents need to become real parents again. They need to be concerned less about being their children's friend and more concerned about being their child's parent. If you are actually a parent to your child, your adult child will be your friend. And we need parents that understand that if they want their kids to have an actual good future, they need to teach them that not only do they need to be constructive members of society, they also need to become patriots that fight to preserve the freedoms that we have today. Because if we don't teach our children to do that, then there is no America 20, 30 years from now. Well, speaking of that, uh, what do you do to uh, instill love of, of country in, uh, to your family and, and kids? Well, my kids have a very unique uh, standpoint uh, because they get to see their dad, you know, uh, do what we do every day. Uh, they, 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 they get to hear people meeting us on the street saying that they appreciate uh, the fight that we put up for the country every day. I mean, they get to see uh, dad on TV uh, fighting against radicalist socialist agendas. 
Uh, and we talk to them about what's going on. And, and we when we say that we don't support Joe Biden, we, we don't say to our kids, well, you know, Joe Biden's the devil. And that's why you shouldn't. Uh, we say things that, you know, we believe that the principles of what they're trying to do to change the way we run our country is actually going to hurt our country and it's going to hurt you and it's going to hurt your children and it's going to make for a country that 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 is not what is in your best interest and that's what we do and and every kid is different and you got to meet your kid on the level that they are my children ranges uh they range in age from 10 to seven. So my 10 year old understands a lot more than my seven year old does and, and vice versa. So uh, for the people that aren't in the situation that we are in, I would say that it all just stands firm with it, the, the little things, the little things. Um, there's a famous speech that a Navy SEAL gave at, I can't remember if it was a Naval Academy graduation or if it was simply just a normal graduation, but he said, uh, you know, get up and make your bed. Uh, it's the first and most simplistic task that you're taught uh, when you enter into military service. And it's very true. And, you know, it seems frivolous at first and it seems ridiculous. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, it has a lot to do with everything. If you can't get out of bed and make your bed first thing in the morning, then odds are you're not going to get a lot accomplished throughout the day. So teaching your kids little things like saluting the flag, respecting the flag, realizing that our national anthem has power and it's more than just words, realizing that our flag means more than just being really cool colors on a flag, realizing that you should say thank you to a veteran and thank you to a law enforcement officer, realizing that our freedom of speech is not there for people that you agree with, it's actually there for people that you probably don't like. The First Amendment is there to protect people and their ability to say things that other people don't like. That's what the First Amendment is there for. The Second Amendment is there not for hunting. It is there to protect ourselves as citizens from a tyrannical government that no longer has the best interests of the people in mind. Teaching our children the fundamentals of being an American. And the fundamentals of being an American means that you contribute to being an American and you don't take, 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 take all the privileges and freedoms that come along with it. Yeah, I really like that. I feel, I feel like a lot of people are being raised in a sort of like my political opponent is the evil devil. And we're kind of we're kind of losing like, no, I think he's a good dude. I just disagree with him on stuff like, you know, we can we can have that as civil discourse. Um, I think that I think that both sides both sides of the of the political aisle are responsible for creating a false system of what we think a a a candidate for an elected position is supposed to look like sound like feel like say do background how much money they got the constitution doesn't say any of those things we did that we're the ones that said, well, you know, they got to look a certain way. They shouldn't have a beard. They shouldn't have tattoos. They should be a doctor or a lawyer. Or they should come from a family of politicians, blah, 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 blah. Doctor, we, lawyer, scholar, Ivy yeah, League graduate. We, what we need are factory workers that work 12-hour shifts that understand what it's like to struggle to send their kids to summer camp. What we need are people that have honestly failed at creating a small business because the tax code crippled them and they weren't able to survive. 
What we need are real Americans that look and sound just like me and you that can say and speak on a level that 99% of Americans actually understand. What we need are people that who cares if you were in the state house or the state Senate for 10, 12 years, honestly, that should disqualify you because you've had your time. Yeah. You were on the state side and now you're trying to move to the federal side, but you've been in it for too long. You're a politician. We don't need more of those. We need more people that go to Washington DC. They have term limits and then that's it. Then they come back home and they become members of society again. And they go back to fighting the fight on a private citizen level. It was never intended for a congressman or senator or governor or mayor or anything to be your lifetime job. That's not what it's supposed to be. It is a service and a duty. And, and we, the American people, have allowed for both sides to pervert that. And it's time, this election, for the American people to take that back. What are, what are the top threats to our country that you want to address in Congress? Uh, well, obviously, we have to establish the border. Um, obviously, uh, every every single day, without a border to protect our country, every country becomes a border state. Uh, in South Carolina specifically, we have a, uh, an opioid and drug problem in South Carolina. But what a lot of people don't understand, without a secure border, while our border patrol agents are playing babysitting to all these illegal immigrants that are coming across, the cartel is funneling drugs. Just last month, they found 935 pounds of fentanyl coming across the border that could kill 22 million people. All right. We have a drug problem in South Carolina. Where are the drugs coming from? Exactly. So we have to establish our border. We have to protect our border at all costs. We have to restore election integrity, voter ID laws, no more mail-in balloting, uh, signature matching, etc. We have to restore the American people's faith that their vote matters. We have to restore the fact that the way we count votes and the way that we uh, run our elections are proper and that the American people's most powerful weapon, their vote, is in place. And last but certainly not least, in fact, this may be number one, I believe that big tech is the single greatest internal threat that we face within America today because we have private, we have privatized companies that have the power and authority to silence a sitting US president. We have privatized companies that now federal judges are saying that their freedom of speech to be able to dictate and remove speech is more important than a private citizen's ability to be able to say whatever they wanna say on those platforms. In 10 years, if we do not break up big tech and we do not remove the loophole of Section 230 that is allowing them the opportunity to do whatever they want without consequence, in 10 to 20 years from now, it's not going to matter what District 7 of South Carolina thinks. It's not going to matter what the state of South Carolina thinks, because all of our information is going to be, they're going to tell us what we see, they're going to tell us what we hear, what we're allowed to say, what we're allowed to do, and what we're allowed to think. Big tech is the single greatest internal threat that we face in America right now. Uh, America is a nation that is always trying to improve. Uh, we haven't always lived up to our lofty ideals. Uh, how do you want to contribute to our never-ending quest for improvement? Well, you know, the lofty ideal, no one ever lives up to any of their goals because the goals of everyone is to be perfect, right? Like no one wants to be 
less than perfect and less than adequate. But the big thing is nobody's ever going to achieve that. America is never going to be perfect. And today we have people saying things like America was never great, but they're misconstruing the word great and perfect to mean the same thing. No, America was never perfect. It's not perfect now. It will never be perfect. Uh, was America great back when we first started? Um, yes, because we accomplished things that nobody else had done. It's so easy for us 240 some odd years later to sit back and say, oh, well, we should have done it this way or we would have done it that way. We forget that when the forefathers signed the Declaration of Independence and had the first 10 amendments or our Bill of Rights written out, they had already changed the course of human history. Never before had anyone said, you know what, our rights aren't given to us by the government. Our rights are given to us by a creator. They're inalienable rights that cannot be taken away from us. The government does not have the authority to take these things away from us. They had already changed the course of human history before they even signed the Declaration of Independence. Most people don't realize this. Yes, we had to get rid of slavery in a mere 80, 90 years later, it cost hundreds of thousands of lives, but slavery was ended. Slavery, a horrible, horrible stain on human existence, not American history, on human existence, was also slavery has been around since the beginning of time. In fact, a lot of these uh, countries that people seem to just overlook all the time still very much uh, have slavery. They have concentration camps. They have uh, slave workshops, etc. But America, America changed that. America had the ability to change. America was willing to change. July 4th, 1776, outside of Jesus Christ being born and Jesus Christ rising from the grave, July 4th, 1776 is the greatest date in human history, in my opinion. And because without July 4th, there would be no Juneteenth. Without the First Amendment, there would be no end of slavery. Because without the ability to argue, without the ability to disagree, without the ability to fight for things that some people think is wrong and some people think is right, without the foresight of the, fourth, of the forefathers changing the course of human history, human history, Americans, myself included, forget that America ain't the only country in the world. We're not the only society to ever exist. July 4, 1776, a group of people changed the course of all human existence and did the exact opposite of what every other society had tried to do up until that point. It truly was the most divine moment in, in, in structuralized society. Outside of Jesus being born and dying and rising again on the grave, July 4, 1776 is the third most important date in human history in my book. Uh, what can our YRs do to participate in making the United States a more perfect union? They can, they can get out and fight and not be afraid. We have too many people that are afraid to say what they really want to say. I have conversations with everyday Americans. I have conversations with what a lot of people would call famous Americans, celebrities, superstars, whatever you want to call them. And the biggest thing that, that, that dictates these people's lives is fear. Fear of repercussion, fear of hatred, fear of speaking up for what they actually believe in. 
We have created a society where people are afraid to say what they actually believe. We need people to speak up. We need people to fight for conservative values. We need people to fight for our rights as Americans. We need people to fight to get big government out of the states because it has no purpose of being there. The purpose of government was established to protect the rights of the citizens if those rights were ever questioned or if those rights were ever threatened. The government was to come in and reinforce those rights. It was never the government's responsibility to decide if those rights were good, if those rights were bad, or if those rights should be changed in some way. Now, we've had amendments that add to rights and freedoms, which no one is against. You want to give American citizens more rights, more freedoms? Have at it. Anything and everything that takes away the state's abilities to do things on their own and tries to federalize it, and anything and everything the government tries to do that limits a right and a freedom is absolutely wrong and it's a non-starter and people need to fight for that. I always like to end these episodes on a, on a bit of an up note. Uh, what's your favorite July 4th barbecue snack? <sighs> that is really tough. The hardest, to it's the hardest dog. hitting question I've asked today. <laughs> I'd have to say a hot dog, you know, and, and, and a little bit burnt hot dog too. Yeah. Not those mm-hmm. halfway undercooked hot dogs. You know, we need people that know what they're doing yep, on the absolutely. grill. Okay, that's it. Mr. Allen, thank you so much. Now we get to go down, down to Houston town. Timothy Stroud is a former combat medic in the United States Army. He served his country for four and a half years of active service with deployments to Kosovo, Kuwait, and Iraq. During these years, Tim learned volumes about team building, leadership, and camaraderie. He also sought out a mentor during his transition back in civilian life and began a seven-year relationship with Army veteran and entrepreneur Paul J. Meyer. After his honorable discharge from the military, Tim decided to start several businesses in Texas and focus on supporting veterans as they transitioned back to civilian life. Graduating with academic honors on both the Dean's List and President's List, Tim secured a Bachelor of Science in Applied Management and his Master's in Servant Leadership from the Ken Blanchard College of Business. As a subject matter expert on transitional service for veterans, he frequently speaks on topics such as employment, education, entrepreneurship, and support services. He lives in Houston and continues to champion several causes for veterans and their families through Easter Seals of Greater Houston. Tim has two daughters, Amber and Jacqueline, aptly nicknamed the Hurricane and Tornado. They keep him grounded and remind him of his value in life, which will be useful for his race to become the representative for Texas's 7th Congressional District. Thank you so much for joining us, Mr. Stroud. Mateo, thanks for having me on the show today. Man, I really appreciate it because you're giving me an opportunity to do something my mentor challenged me is find my voice and actually use it. Uh, Why did you enlist? You know what? I I didn't plan on enlisting in the military. I'm a third generation military member now, but uh, my grandfather was in the Air Force. My father was in the Army. And when he got done serving his country, he decided to serve his community as a police officer. But sadly, 18 months into his uh, servant leadership with the St. Charles Police Department, he was killed in the line of duty. And it was just drilled into me by my my mom. Don't go in the military and don't be a police officer. But at age 27, I needed some direction and discipline. And those drill sergeants at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, they were just happy enough to give it to me. It's never, it's never too late to disappoint your mother. 
what was your uh, what was your biggest takeaway from military service? You know what? There are so many that go right to the top, you know, loyalty, duty, respect. But at the tip of the spear for me is selfless service. My first sergeant, Herb Silva, he taught me that when I was with the Charlie Company, 28th Infantry, 4th Infantry Division, when we deployed to Iraq under Operation Iraqi Freedom, every morning at 0430, he and I would get up and outside of our regular duties, we would go down to the Iraqi ice centers. We would buy four feet of rectangular ice, and then we would bring them back to um, our, uh, our talk, our tactical, tactical operations center break them up into chunks so we could store water in them, bottled water, and keep them cool in huge clay pots. And I saw this guy work 15, 16 hours a day, six days a week when it was 127 degrees. So selfless service. For a minute, I was like, Iraqis, immigration and custom enforcement? Yeah. Man, what does Iraqi ice look like? How do you it was dirty. Yeah. You don't drink it. How do you think your uh, military experience will translate to what it takes to be an elected official at the uh, congressional level? Ooh, that's a great question there, because I personally feel that about 20 percent of your character comes from your past. So if you're a veteran and you've got that behind you, you've you've have uh, some skills that you earned and learned while you're in uniform that should propel you forward. And my service as a combat medic taught me to stay until the job gets done. And it doesn't matter um, if the, the lights are still on or the sun's still out, you have to get that done. And I think uh, that of having uh, those abilities and the ability to adapt and overcome will not only help me stay in touch with my constituents here in the district, but be adaptive when I go to DC and work with others around the country. Uh, you know, we in the Texas YRs, we care a lot about service. Uh, Post-military, how are you continuing to serve? You know, I had a mentor, Paul J. Meyer, that taught me to get involved with my local chamber of commerce, Rotary, and Toastmasters. Uh, and he said, when I mastered all three of those, then I could go into public service if I found my voice. I did it through Rotary. Um, and then when there were national uh, disasters like Hurricane Harvey, we were out in F-250 diesel trucks until the Coast Guard shut us down. And then we went out in the flat bottom boats and gator chasers with the Cajun Navy. And we did this in conjunction with Easter Seals. The mission continues, serve, Camp Shield, Camp Hope, and just so many others. And then last year, we, um, our group, got together and we fed 8,000 Houstonians uh, through a program called Operation Turkey. And just great stuff. So being that servant leader out in the community, boots on the ground, if you will. Uh, how can people who didn't serve in the military develop a love of country, do you think? Yeah, I think the first part is education. They need to be around those who have served and those who have supported. Because if you look at the shadow warriors, the families of those who have served, they may be what we call a military brat but they still have firsthand knowledge of what happens while the 1% of our volunteer population goes out to uh, serve and protect, not just here in CONUS, but around the world. Being around them, doing some service projects, but making decisions that bring activity out in the community and just being around great people. Uh, what do you do to instill love of country in your family and to your kids? Oh, 
I have two daughters aptly nicknamed the Hurricane and the Tornado. And ever since they could walk and wave a flag, that's exactly what they've been doing. It, we pass out flags at the airports along with the USO. And then we send off and welcome back our heroes on programs like Honor Flight. We get to see firsthand the heroes that come back. And that, that plays into my special heart of hearts for our Vietnam and our Vietnam era veterans because they never got the send off nor welcome home that they deserved. And so when I see them and we're able to lift them up man, it does so much better. And my daughters get active in those groups and activities. And I can tell you right now, they are making memories. Uh, are your daughters property destructive? Is that why they're going to tornado? Did I mention they're teenagers? Oh, okay. It's usually boys. That, like my mother had three sons, and you don't normally get that with girls, which is interesting. I, Mateo, I think my daughters could break an anvil with a feather. Hell yeah. Good Texas girls. All right. Uh, what are the uh, what are the top threats to our country that you want to address in Congress? Man, where do we start? I mean, we could talk about securing our borders, cyber attacks, the economy, and how it took a tank here in Texas with oil, gas, energy when we closed down the pipeline and sent our good jobs that Texans and Americans need overseas. One of the first things I want to address is human and sex trafficking. It's a travesty that this is something that's prevalent in Texas. And in Houston, we have so many amazing groups that want to abolish this. And that's one of the first things of coordinating from the state level all the way down into the communities to make sure that we stifle and then put a stranglehold on the industry. And so we tell them that they're not welcome here in Texas. Brad. Um America is a nation uh, that is always trying to improve. Uh, we haven't always lived up to our lofty ideals in the past. Uh, how do you want to contribute to our never-ending quest for improvement? I think you nailed it right there, Mateo, when you talked about improvement. Too often times we go out into the community and we look at something that it has to be perfect. Absolutely not. All we're seeking is progress. Each day, we need to take a step forward, not only individually, but as our community, uh, community members and statewide and nation and look at what we've done. We have the blueprints of success here. And I think uh, uh, once we get together and we really just get rid of the us versus them mentality, I'm talking red versus blue, that we work together, we can really get some things accomplished. What can our YRs do to participate in making the United States a more perfect union? Ooh, so we already talked about education. I think moving that forward would be have conversations that lead to action. And I, I mentioned that moments matter. We definitely need to remember that our democracy depends on those who exercise their right to vote. One of the reasons that uh, the race shifted so much uh, the last election and the one uh, prior to that in Houston was because more People got registered to vote on the other side of the aisle and they put them into an activity to where they can make effective change. We simply need to do the same thing and make sure that we're educating people on policies, not politics. Now, I always like to, this has been a pretty patriotic episode. I always like to end on a bit of a light note. What's your favorite 4th of July barbecue snack? Oh, man. I would have to say I grew up in uh, the boot hill of Southeast Missouri. 
And I love watermelon. Man, I did just goes right there. I love ice, crisp, cold watermelon sliced. What gets me now is that there's some sort of trend on the uh, the interweb where they're putting mustard on the watermelon. Have you seen that? I, I guess I'll have to try it this weekend when we uh, we get together. We we throw some grills on the steak and um, mustard on the watermelon. I, I've seen people do mustard, but I've seen people do say like, "Hey guys, mustard is nuts." If you want to put something on your watermelon, try honey. Huh? Honey? Okay, great. I, probably I, I've only... seen salt. I've seen sprinkles of sugar as well. Now, what about you? What's your favorite Fourth of July snack? Tables have turned. Gotta be, yeah, no one's ever asked me a question here. Um, gotta be a burnt hot dog. Oh, man, there we go. Like, burnt yeah. on one side, so you still get a little bit of that juiciness that got the crunchy yeah, on there. Yeah, like, like I, so I, I like I like sausages versus hot dogs. Like okay, you're going to dress it up like a Chicago dog, or what are you going to put on it? I, I <laughs> We're revealing what a sociopath I am right now. <laughs> I prefer it plain i would i would rather season the sausage to hell and back and just eat that and the bun versus dump a bunch of like ketchup and mustard and mayo and relish and like blah 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 on it okay it sounds like you are in training for the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Championship, you're just going to dip it right into the water and eat it then, right? I can't. I, I, man. (laughs) Oh, my God. This pandemic and and my waistline already. I can't do a hot dog eating contest. Well, the good news is that uh, Americans and definitely Texans are ready for a 4th of July celebration to, to get out, get America moving forward. I'm thankful that you you had me on the show today, and I'm looking forward uh, to a great 4th of July. It certainly has been a hard year with a lot of sacrifices, but thankfully it seems like we're out of the woods, and the 4th of July is a great way to celebrate. Speaking of sacrifices, I'd like to thank both of our guests for their incredible sacrifices in service of this republic throughout their lives. While the 4th of July is not Memorial Day or Veteran Day, it is always important to remember and honor the sacrifices of our men and women in uniform who have given their lives or or a good part of their lives to advance the securities and interests of our great nation. The Texas YRs would like to take a minute to thank our men and women in uniform and wish them particularly a happy Independence Day. Thank you so much for having it on. Folks, that's going to do it with our two guests. Uh, please remember to uh, like and share this podcast. You can find us on our socials at, at TexasYRS. We will post a link to both of our wonderful guests in the bio of this episode. As always, please remember to keep an open mind, love your neighbor, and don't forget to reach across the aisle. Thank you and have a happy 4th of July.